I thought that uh, this series was over, but it just kind of keeps expanding on me. So we're going to continue to talk about the main call of the believer. Uh, you could call this faith and fellowship. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9, there is a call that has gone out. And that call that has gone out is the call to fellowship. And so we understand that Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 37, He said that he that comes to me, I will not in any way, fashion, or form cast him out. That's good news. That means that he welcomes you and I with open arms. No matter how bad we've been, no matter what we've done, where we've come from, if we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we can go boldly to the throne of grace and we can fellowship with our Heavenly Father. He that comes to me, I will not cast him out. One person wrote a song and said it like this. It's a holy invitation to a glorious visitation. Amen? So don't miss those opportunities to fellowship with God. And don't get religious thinking that you have to spend hours and hours in the Word and hours and hours in praying and and get into sort of the ritualistic part of Christianity. Christianity is a relationship and is based on fellowship. He lives in you. He loves you. He's walking with you. Why don't you start walking with Him? He's got His heart set on you already. Why not us set our heart upon Him? Understand this, that He's our Heavenly Father. And the Bible talks about the Father and His family. Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus and he prayed that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He prayed about the family in heaven and the family in earth. Well, our Father is the head of this family. And so you and I have been invited into fellowship with Him. Amen? All right, so let's look at a a few things today. Uh, In Exodus 33, it says this, that... Moses had a face-to-face relationship with God as a man speaks unto his friend. Now, here's what I know about friendship. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about friendship a little bit this morning. And when I talk about friendship, I want you to look at it at two levels. Friendship with God and friendship and relationships with one another. How many of you know we all need friendship? How many of you got at least one really good friend? I mean, you may live across the country from them and not talk to them for a few months, but the moment you pick up the phone or the moment you see them, it's just automatic. That's friend. A friendship needs to be developed. In order to develop a friendship naturally and spiritually, there's got to be some communication. I have friends that are very, very easy to talk to. I mean, there's just a a flow of conversation. And an hour or two could go by and it just seems like a minute or two. How many of you have been there? Face-to-face, heart-to-heart relationships. It is my goal this year to deepen my relationship with the Father. It is my goal to deepen my relationship with my friends. How about you? He is a friend, the Bible says, that sticks closer than a brother. Now, 
Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Proverbs 17, and let's look at verse 17. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17. Notice this with me. It says that a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Isn't that awesome? You might be going through something, but a true friend never leaves you nor forsakes you. When the whole world walks out on you, a true friend walks in. Sounds like Jesus. He said, look, you may be going through some difficult times, but I want you to know that I am your Lord and I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's not going to leave you halfway through life's path and forsake you all of a sudden. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And the Bible says that there's absolutely nothing that's going to separate you or separate me from the love of our friend. From the love of God. From the love of the Father, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, as we understand the principle of friendship today, we understand that we have a friend who not only sticks closer than a brother, but we have a friend that is our elder brother. And not only will he never leave us nor forsake us, but he lives on the inside of us. He said, I'm going to walk in them. I'm going to live in them. I'm going to be their God and they're going to be my people. Now look at Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24. Here's a thought from Proverbs 18, 24. A man that has friends must be what? If you want to have friends, you've got to put yourself in a position to be friendly. To be friendly. Oftentimes there's complaints in churches like this that this is an unfriendly church. Well, what are you doing? To make it more friendly. See, to make this a friendly church goes much deeper than Brenda and I at the back door. It goes much deeper than, you know, shaking hands and, and, you know, having sloppy agape. True friendship is built on relationships. And you will get the most out of your church. I said your church. If you'll get involved in some sort of a small group. If you'll get involved in some sort of community within the church where you can get to know one another, amen, show yourself friendly. Somebody said, well, you know, in life outside of the church, I tried to show myself friendly and I got burned. Well, we've all gotten burned. But what are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit there and lick your wounds for the rest of your life? Are you going to rise up and face life the way God wants you to face it? See, if you're going to have friends, you've got to show yourself friendly to God. Not all aloof. Like, you know, I'm cool. Everything with me and the, my daddy-o's great. You know, if he's really our friend, there should be a drawing nigh. There should be some intimacy. There should be some fellowship. Now, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I grew up in a neighborhood that I had friends all over the place. 
Many of you grew up in neighborhoods, perhaps in Oakland or Fremont or wherever the case may be. I grew up in a, in a Catholic background where the city was broken down into parishes. The parish that I was involved in was visitation. I lived at 4920 Bryant Avenue South, Minneapolis. I was from the south side, you understand? <laughs> but 50th Street was the line where the guys and the gals from Annunciation went to school and went to a different church. So we didn't develop friendships that much with them because we had more than enough people in that mile or two mile radius that we got to know. And it was awesome. It was great to be able to get up in the morning, go across the alley, and go fellowship with Boyd Snyder. It was wonderful to be able to go the other way and fellowship with Donald Nicholson. And go across the street and fellowship with James Long and all of these kids that I, I grew up with and played basketball with and played basketball with and got bullied by and bullied myself. You know, one thing that I could always count on was my brother Tim. Tim was a couple years older than me. And if anyone ever got on my case and threw a punch at me, you know Tim took care of business. But the atmosphere was one of relationship. It was one of friendship. Our parents got to know other parents within the community. They got to know other parents within the church. Nowadays, though, my goodness... We live in the midst of a million-plus society of people. And be honest with me. When 4 o'clock hits, you're heading home and you want to go to the man cave. <laughs> and so there's not a lot of relationships. There's not a lot of fellowship that takes place in the neighborhoods in the Bay Area anymore. And so what happens is that is brought into the church. That's brought into the church where everybody's kind of guarded. And everybody's kind of, everything cool. And it's okay. And I understand that you don't have to open up your life to anybody and to everybody. But within a body of believers, I believe this. That God wants there to be lifetime, long-term friendships developed. Now, you just can't happen, you know, make it happen in the natural realm. But how much more with God? You see, we can kind of act cool toward God and, and just talk to the man upstairs when we get in trouble. But that's not true friendship. I believe this, that friendship with God is a key to survival in this day and in this hour in which we live. Friendship keeps us from being alone. Friendship. The Bible says that He will open up His secrets and He will reveal inside information to His friends. I need some inside information. In this day in which we live, the Bible says we're living in perilous times. There's difficult times out there. How would you like to have inside information from the head of the church, your friend, on what not to invest in, what to invest in? How would you like to have inside information from him on which route to take home and which route not to take home? I need that kind of information. I need information from the head of the church, but I'm telling you, it's based on fellowship. It's based on a face 
to face relationship with Him. A true friend is loyal. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. How many of you have been around your friend for a little while and all of a sudden he or she somehow just makes you better? I'm talking about the right kind of friends. I'm not talking about Pookie and them. I'm not talking about Bill and Ethel. Who every time you get together with them, it's a negatory. It's a negative conversation. No, a true friend will put something into you. A true friend will not drain you. A true friend will be there for you. Develop the kind of friendships where iron begins to sharpen iron. I believe this, that friendship with God will make you better. The more you fellowship with the sweet rose of Sharon, guess what? The sweeter you're going to be. I believe this with all of my heart. All relationships that are worth anything, all relationships should spring forth of our relationship and our fellowship with Him. Understand this. When I spend time in His presence and you spend time in His presence developing friendship with Him, you're going to be easier to get along with. You're not going to be whining and complaining. But you're going to be thanking and praising. Somebody help the preacher today. Jonathan David had what the Bible calls a covenant friendship. Turn me to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. So I'm encouraging you to make some friends here if you can. 1 Samuel 18, 1, it says, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was what? It was knit with the soul of David. They, They, in a sense, became one. And the Bible says that Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Do you want your heart to be so knit with the Lord in that fashion? Oh, what a powerful thing it is. Look at chapter 20 of 1 Samuel and notice with me in verse 4. They had such a covenant fellowship, such a covenant relationship that then said Jonathan unto David, Whatsoever your soul desires, I will even do that for you. In other words, he's saying, say what's on your mind and I will do it. You know something? That's the kind of God we serve. He wants to help bring to pass the things that you have in your mind and the things that you have in your heart that are based on His will for you. Listen, He's not going to put vision in your heart. He's not going to put desires in your heart if He's not going to be committed to help you bring it to pass. Or if He's not going to bring it to pass. Whatever is in your heart, God is saying, let me help you. Let me encourage you. The Bible says that Abraham was the friend of God. Turn me to John 15, verse 15. John chapter 15, verse 15. 
Jesus said, henceforth, I'm not calling you servants. For the servant knows not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I made known unto you. That's powerful. You know what that is? That's inside information. You got inside information because he lives on the inside of you. Amen. He said, I have called you friends for everything that I've heard from my father. I will make it known unto you. Ephesians 1, 6. You could probably quote it with me, but let's bring it up and let's look at it. Ephesians 1, 6 says this. To the praise of the glory of His grace. Oh, thank God for His grace. Wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. You are not the rejected. You and I are the accepted. I got a word for you today. Set your heart on Him. Because He's already set His heart on you. Walk with Him. Because He's already walking with you. Don't complicate this. Make it easy. Just click the accept button. Do you want to be my friend? Facebook? Face to face? Relationship with the Father? You can either decline. Choop. I don't want to be the Lord's friend. Who in the world would ever say that? Who in their right mind would say that? He's not like some of those pesty people that you don't want to answer the phone. No. Don't complicate it. God says, I want to be your friend. I love you. I'm for you. I'm on your side. Hey, accept. Accept. You're accepted. Do you accept Him? Amen? To the praise of His glory, wherein He hath abounded and made us accepted, where? In the Beloved. So receive His friendship. Receive His friendship. And then, as you go along in your Christian walk with God, understand this, that He wants you to develop this passion for Him that He has for you. He's got a passion for you. When Jesus hung on the cross and said it is finished, when he was put into the grave for three days and three nights and he rose from the dead, that's called the passion of Christ when he was crucified for you. Amen? It's the passion. Christ. Amen. He's got a passion for you. He's got a passion to get to know you. He loves you. Just put your hand over your heart and say, God, I love you. And I know that you love me. That's powerful. God loves you. Yes, even you. God loves you and you and you. God loves me. How much does God love me? 
He shed his blood. In the Bible, blood is equated with life. When he gave his life for you, he shed his blood for you. Hallelujah. You know, we were in debt before we met him. Severely in debt. But oh, thank God. He took our notes, didn't he? The Bible says that he canceled everything. He canceled out the handwriting that was set against you and set against me. The Bible says it was nailed to the cross. I'll never get tired of preaching on the cross. The cross and the blood being shed makes you accepted in the beloved. Say it with me. I accept. Now, let's just define the word passion for a moment. You know what passion is. Passion is an intense, overwhelming, consuming desire. Anybody ever had that kind of passion? I know that some of you can relate to that when you were dating the young lady that is now your wife for 20 and 30 years. When you were dating and, and you were engaged, there was just, just such an overwhelming desire, intensity, so that you could see one another, so that you could spend time with one another, yea, even kiss one another. Mwah. Mwah. Thank you. You know, when I graduated from Bible school, Brenda took off on me. We weren't married, but she just said, okay, I'm going to go down to Florida and preach the gospel for a while, you know. And I was left in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. My favorite song at that time was Sergeant Lonely Hearts Club Band. So she went down to Florida and and I was there in Broken Arrow and, and you know, we, we talked about getting married and man, I'll tell you what, that first day she was gone, I started missing her. And by three and four days, I could hardly stand it. Truly, really. And how many of you know a guy by the name of Norval Hayes? Well, you know, Norval, he, he had a group down there in Florida and they would be preaching the gospel and there was a lot of single men down there. So I would call down there, and in the background, I'd hear all these guys. Oh, Brenda, you're going to come witnessing with us? Oh, Brenda, you preach such a good message. Brenda, I called my supervisor and said, can I have a few days off? <laughs> I need a few days off. I need to fly to Florida, get Brenda, drive back, and marry the girl. Yeah, you can have some time off. Literally, I flew to Orlando or wherever it was. I got over there as quick as I could, spent a couple days, kind of growled at a few of the guys. I said, she's mine, guys. We drove home. We got married a month later. Amen. 
It's a true story. <laughs> That's passion. That's an overwhelming, consuming desire. That's what God wants us to have toward Him. A passion to do the will of God. Another definition for passion is a, is a, a red hot burning fire. You, you've seen people in the ministry that have passion. Anybody ever heard of a guy by the name of Reinhard Bonnke? What does Reinhard Bonnke have a passion for? Souls. When you think of Reinhard Bonnke, you think of souls. When you think of Oral Roberts and his ministry, what was his main passion for? For healing. For healing. Amen. God wants us to have a passion for a relationship, a heart for him. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And I want to I bring it up, guys, in the message if we can, in the message version. And, and I want you to, to see this here. This is so powerful. How many of you know that David wasn't perfect? So you know what? We're in good company. I said we're in good company. There ain't anybody perfect here. We're complete in Christ, though, right? We're on our way to perfection in Christ, right? Amen. But David, you know, he messed up. He messed up. I mean, he just flat messed up. We're not going to throw any stones at David. Why? Because we messed up. But here's what David did when he messed up. He repented. And man, he was quick to repent. And he was quick to believe God. And though David suffered some loss because of his wrongdoing, God restored him. And the Bible says, now this man David, now here is somebody, this man David, he's a man and he's after my heart. He's got a passion for me. You know when David started developing that passion for the Lord? Out oh, when he was tending sheep. Just a young man. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, in the message, and I'll quote it for you, he says, I have searched... I have searched the land and found this David, son of Jesse. He is a man whose heart beats to my heart. A man who will do what I tell him to do. Look at that. He's a man whose heart beats with my heart. God, may our hearts beat with your heart. May my heart beat with your heart. What does that mean? That means just to be in step with him. Amen. To have a tender, passionate heart toward him. Let's look at David's diary just for a few moments of his passion that he had for God. Turn quickly to Psalm 27, verse 8. Now, here's something about passion. Passion is something that you do. Passion isn't something you talk about. Passion is something you do. Passion is, is getting on the dance floor and dancing. Amen? Passion is saying, I do. And then acting like you still do. Instead of, if she say, I do, I do. No. Passion is being a doer. Now, listen, I'm going to make a statement to you. 
Understand this, that you can be as passionate about God as you want to be. You can be as fired up about the Lord as you really want to be. You can be nominal. You can be mediocre. You can go halfway up the mountain in your relationship with God. But you can be as faithful as you want to be. You can be as passionate as you want to be. Now, notice what David prayed in Psalm 27, 8. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. And he said, I'm going to seek after that, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And I'm going to behold his beauty. I want you to center in on that little phrase there. One thing. Everyone say one thing. Doesn't that remind you of what Mary chose when Jesus came to her house? And Martha was all encumbered about with much serving. And Jesus pointed to Martha and said, Martha, Martha, you are careful. You are troubled. You are anxious about many things. But now notice. He says, one, but Mary has chosen that one thing. He's chosen that one thing. And that one thing is not going to be taken away from Mary. Listen, friends, if you will choose the one thing to read, to pray, to develop friendship with God, let me tell you, it is not going to be ripped off from you. You are not going to go down the tubes, though the earth may quake and waves billow. Though there may be fires on the right and fires on the left, your friendship with God will see you through some way, somehow. Somebody say amen. I didn't say you're not going to have to face difficulties. I'd be lying if I said that. But in the midst of difficulties, God is saying, I am your friend and I've got your back. Amen. In Psalm 36, in verse 7, it says this in the message, How exquisite is your love, O God. How eager I am to run under your wings. How eager I am to go into the presence of God. Under His wings, there's shelter. Under His wings, under His feathers, there's protection for you. David said, as the deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after Thee, O God. And he says, here's what the deal is. My soul Thirst for the living God. Are you thirsty for God? Are you hungry for God? Again, don't make it some religious thing. Don't make it something that, you know, you've got to do because somebody else is doing it. Just talk to him like you'd talk to your friend. Just get rid of all the these and the thous and all that religious jargon and talk to your father like he's your friend. Talk to him with respect, but talk to him daily. Look at Psalm 73, verse 25. In the message translation, this is powerful. Psalm 73, verse 25. David's diary, we could call it. He said, you're all I want in heaven. 
And you're all I want on earth. You're all I want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David didn't pray, the Lord is my shepherd, I'm full of want. He didn't say, the Lord is my shepherd and I'm coming up short. I can't understand why. I thought the Lord was my shepherd. That's doubt and that's unbelief. That'll lead you down the wrong path. Psalms 23 doesn't say, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm full of want. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I do not want. Just ask yourself what you do not want for. You know what? I do not want for joy. Because even though I may not feel one inch of joy in my life, I know that the Lord is my portion. And that the joy of the Lord is my strength. What else don't you want for? Some of you don't want for sleep because you're getting a really good nap right now. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. I mean, it's one thing to kind of nod out, but when you're back like this with your mouth open, oh, yeah, I get it. You're just drinking in the goodness of God, right? Anyway, (laughs) you're all I want in heaven. I don't preach that long for you to get that knocked out. You look like you were in a coma. We got some doctors on the second row that could help you with that. Oh, man. The Amplified says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And I have no delight or desire on earth beside you. Turn me to Psalm 84, verse 1 and 2 in the NIV National, uh, the, the New International Version. Psalm 84, verse 1 and 2. Somebody shout glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Psalm 84, verse 1 and 2. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. There's a yearning, there's a yearning, there's a yearning. About this time of year, after about maybe 150 inches of snow and four or five blizzards, maybe more blizzards yet to come in Minneapolis. How many of you have ever been in the Midwest in the winter? How about O'Hare stuck in an airport? Denver, LaGuardia, JFK. So you understand that old man winter can be rugged, right? I can remember uh, when I was a kid, blizzards on St. Patrick's Day. Just snowing, just in your face in April. I tell you, we would begin to yearn for spring. Yearn for for a change of seasons. Yearn for a new season. And that's what God is saying. He wants us to have that kind of yearning for him, a desire for him. Amen. You know, since I've been a Christian, I've always kind of been a front row kind of guy. You know what a front row kind of guy is? 
A front row kind of guy is a guy who wants to be under the spout where the glory comes out. Yeah, I didn't want to be in the front row to be seen of men, but I wanted to be in the front row because I didn't want to miss anything. Are you listening to me? A front row kind of guy. We ought to be front row kind of guys in our relationship with him. I like what Romans chapter 12, verse 11 says in the message. It says, don't burn out, but keep yourself fueled and keep yourself aflame. You know, Paul had a lot of wisdom and he, he said, spoke to Timothy. And he said, Timothy, I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you to stir up and rekindle the embers. Fan the flame and keep burning. I do a message to ministers, and that is called this. You're either burning on or burning out. I don't believe in burning out for God, by the way. I believe in burning on. I don't believe in retiring. I believe in refiring. And in Christ, you can refire. You can rekindle the embers. When I'm 80 years old, I'm still going to be preaching the gospel. Why? Because I don't have any quit in me. I believe this, the older we get, the better we get. We're like a fine wine. And I don't drink wine, by the way. But the older we get, the better we get. Not the older we get, the bitter, more bitter we get. The older we get, the better we get. Amen? And that can only be possible by fanning the flame. By stirring up the gift. Amen? See, God put a flame on the inside of you when you got born again. But that flame can flicker and grow very dim if it's not fanned. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to fill you up with the third person of the Godhead. He said, look, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost and you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Just like on the day of Pentecost, that fire was burning brightly. But you know what? They not only experienced an infilling of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, they received constant infillings of the Spirit throughout the book of Acts. Why? Because there is the tendency for the fire to go down and to grow dim. And that's why we got to stir it up. we got to stir up this fire for souls at Heart of the Bay. Stir up this fire, amen, for our relationship with God. You know what it boils down to? My last scripture is found in Matthew chapter 12. Here's what it boils down to. It boils down to a love relationship with a loving God. A love relationship with a loving God. In Matthew 12:30, it says this. And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. And then he says, this is my first commandment. Love him with everything you've got. Paul said it to the church at Ephesus, be filled with the Spirit. Weymouth says, maintain the glow. This friendship is available to you, and you can accept today.